0: CBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Locations in new portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time.
1: Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
0: That's a rebuke to us, but also we want to be corrected and instructed in righteousness. What made them attentive to the Bible, attentive to to the Bible to listen to it for six hours, and we have a problem with it for six minutes? I mean, we want to learn from this. Are there reasons in the text? Does God give us some reasons, and does sanctified common sense give us some reasons about this? In other words, how can we be better listeners of the Word of God? That's what we really want to focus on. How can you and I listen to the Word of God and improve our capacity to listen.
1: In Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra read from the Scriptures to the people of the recently rebuilt Jerusalem for roughly five or six hours. He stood while he read, and the people stood while they listened. I read a 2015 article that claimed that Microsoft had done a study and found that since the year 2000, which was about when the mobile revolution began, people's average attention span dropped from 12 seconds to 8 seconds. Hmm. I wonder what it is now. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. It's been said that revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. And how could we not love Him when we're reading His love letter to us and asking His Spirit to help us understand and apply it. As the returning Jewish exiles were finishing the reconstruction of their city and their homes, God was the furthest thing from their minds. But almost everyone showed up to hear Ezra the priest read from God's book. And then something amazing happened. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 8 as Pastor Steve resumes the message we began in our last lesson.
0: They were not interested in the word of God. They were interested more in their own houses than uh, building the temple. They were interested in other things. And for 14 years prior to this, Ezra has ministered and taught and ministered, and nobody's listening. But now there's a breakthrough. All the people gather and they say, Ezra read read the word to us we're going to listen to the word and i say to you that's that ought to be a great encouragement to those of us who minister the word of god to people any of us who minister in any way to people i say that ezra is a great example of perseverance persevere pray because you don't know when there's going to be a breakthrough this is called a breakthrough this is a breakthrough and a tremendous opportunity so if you're discouraged about your ministry Nobody seems to be listening. Nobody seems to care. Persevere, pray, and uh, wait for God to uh, break in with a tremendous breakthrough. Now, as Ezra faced the crowd, verse 2 says, all the men and women and children who were old enough to understand were before him. We read in verses 3 and 4. And he read from it, that is the law, before the square, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday, In the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium, which they had made for that purpose, and beside him stood, and I'm not even going to attempt to read all the names again, but you had uh, some prominent men on his left and some prominent men on his right, probably the Levites. Now, uh, The scene is this. As Ezra stood, it's really not a podium or a pulpit. It ought to be ought to be translated a wooden platform. It was a tower. Literally in the Hebrew, it's a tower. He was not on a podium. He was not on a pulpit. He was on a wooden platform and it was large enough for not only himself, but for 13 prominent men on his right and left side. And as the people stood before him, He began to read the Torah to them. Uh, Some some scholars think maybe he just read the book of Deuteronomy, which is possible, we don't know. But he read from the law to them. And I want want you to notice something, what verse 3 says. He read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate. Notice how long he read. From early morning until what? Midday. From early morning until midday. Did did you get that? I mean, did you get that? He read from the law from daybreak. Literally, it's from the light. In the Hebrew, it's from the light. From the crack of dawn until uh, about noon. That's five or six hours. And the amazing thing is at the end of verse three, we read, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And later we read in verse five that they stood while he did this. Now, maybe they had breaks. I don't know. Maybe he said, look, take take a little rest. But we're not told that. So let's assume that they stood for five to six hours. Hours listening to the word of God. And the seventh month would have been about September, so it's not exactly winter time. Five or six hours listening to the word of, of God. They listened to him for half a day. Now, I think we have to stop here and think about that. Think about this, because how come, I, I pose this question to you, how come the children of Israel could listen and be attentive to the Word of God read for five to six hours while standing, no less, and it's a chore for the average American Christian to sit for a half hour to 45 minutes to listen to a sermon. Why, why is that? Listen, we find it hard. We find people complaining if they have to stand for prayer and a hymn. How dare we move on to two hymns? We've been standing for about three minutes. We tend to get bored with a sermon after a few minutes. In fact, instead of wanting more Bible teaching in our churches, the the trend today is to see how little we can get of Bible teaching. Uh, Many churches have uh, changed from it used to be two services on Sunday to no longer having a Sunday evening service. That is the trend, and that is the trend in Bible-believing churches. I'm not talking about liberal churches. So the trend is, let's get little as little uh, Bible pulpit teaching as we possibly could. Let's, let's have some other things there. So, how are the Jewish people of Nehemiah's day different from us? I mean, we want to learn from this. That's a rebuke to us, but also we want to be corrected and instructed in righteousness. What made them attentive to the Bible attentive to the Bible, to listen to it for six hours, and we have a problem with it for six minutes. I mean, we want to learn from this. Are there reasons in the text? Does God give us some reasons, and does sanctified common sense give us some reasons about this? In other words, how can we be better listeners of the Word of God? That's what we really want to focus on. How can you and I listen to the Word of God and improve our capacity to listen? Not too long ago, a young boy from our school, and I may have told you this, a young boy said to me, doing a question and answer time at Lakeside Christian School in their chapel, and a young lad said, uh, said, Pastor, how do you know if the people are listening to you? And I said, I don't have a clue. I don't know if they're listening to me. They look like they're listening to me, but for all I know, they might be thinking about something else. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um. How do we help ourselves to be better listeners, not of me, but of the Word of God? Well, uh, I, I think you'd be wise to take some notes on this. Number one, there are some specific reasons why the Jewish people of Nehemiah's day uh, could listen to the Word of God. I mean, obviously, you can go into our culture of the day and television and all that. We saw some things, even, um, even yesterday, some of us, uh, the group who's doing evangelistic mimes went... Uh, Went down to the beach and put on a mime, and we thought it'd be like Italy. You know, they just gather around and listen, listen. We're too busy. We're too busy. Hardly anyone gathered for more than maybe a minute, and then they moved on. You know why? They're busy going nowhere. Americans are absolutely busy going nowhere. They're really in a hurry to get nowhere. I don't know if you've ever been to the pier. Listen, there's nowhere to go on that pier. You just walk. It's not like they're going somewhere. what what do you do at the beach if you're on the pier you just walk and then when you get to the end you just walk back but they're too busy to do this and uh, so a lot of it goes into our culture but i think there's some specific things we can look at in the text here number one these people had a tremendous reverence and a respect for the word of god i want you to notice verse five and ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, notice this, all the people stood up. When Ezra opened up the law, when he took that scroll and he opened it, the people automatically stood up. We don't, we don't even read that, that he said stand. They just stood up in honor of the word of God. Why? Because they knew that the words that they were about to hear were not Ezra's words, but they were God's words to Israel. They were the words of God. You know, one reason I think while we find it so difficult to sit through a sermon and be attentive is that we have forgotten what we do in church. We have really forgotten or have not been taught what a sermon is. A sermon is an explanation of the word of God. It's not someone's opinion. It is an explanation of God's holy word. And I think sometimes we have taken that for granted. Oh, it's it's a sermon. It's a message. He's speaking on the Bible. Now, I'm really not trying to speak on the Bible. I'm trying to explain the Bible. There's a difference, about, a difference between speaking about the Bible and letting the Bible speak for itself. If you notice, in, uh, and you don't need to turn there, I'll read it to you. 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 is a tremendous truth because it reminds us of what Bible exposition is all about. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and for this reason we also constantly thank God that when you receive from us the Word of God's message, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. It is the living Word of God. That's why there ought to be a reverence for it. That's why there ought to be a respect for it. That's why a sermon is an elevated type of situation. Uh, some of us have grown accustomed to the truth that this is God's word. And it really doesn't move us anymore. But really, kind of it's ho-hum, it's old stuff. Now, we want to be careful. We don't worship the Bible. We don't worship the Bible. But we have great reverence and respect for the Bible because it is the word of God. It is the word of God. In First Timothy... Chapter 4, verse 13, a verse you ought to know. Paul said to Timothy, look, I've put you here at Ephesus. Until I come, I want you to pay close attention to certain things. He said in 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. In other words, Timothy, until I get there, make sure you read the words to the people. Make sure you explain the word to the people. Make sure you exhort the people to obey the word of God. But the public reading of scripture is very important. We are to pay attention to it. What kind of respect do you have for the word of God? You say, I believe the Bible is the word of God. But do you have a reverence for the word of God? I would assume if you're here and you're a part of Lakeside, uh, Lakeside family, that you believe the Bible is the word of God. But do you have a reverence for the word of God? Do you stand in awe of God's revelation uh, to mankind? And one of the ways to see if you do that, you can test yourself, is how, how do you treat your Bible? You just throw it around anywhere like it's any other book? You just toss it around? Or is it a place to uh, stuff old bulletins so that the binding's coming, coming apart because you just stuffed it with stuff? Or uh, are, you, uh, are, you, are you careless that you might leave your Bible here? On an ongoing basis, or lose your Bible, you know that may indicate a problem in your own uh, perspective of uh, of the Bible. If you just toss this book around and have no uh, or very little regard for it, uh, then maybe it's because you have lost a reverence for the Word of God. You could have lost a reverence for the Word of God. I remember um, where God began to impress this upon me. Reverence for scripture. When I was a student at the Moody Bible Institute, we had a teacher there. In fact, he's somewhat well known now. He's written a number of books, Dr. Edgar James, who uh, I took all of my theology courses with him. And uh, not only did he teach me theology, but I was most impressed with how he treated the Word of God, how he read the Word of God. You could tell when he opened the book that here was a man who loved the scriptures. Uh, here was a man who treated the Word of God with respect. Here was the man who was not flippant about it, not frivolous in his attitude towards it. Um, it, it a lot of it was body language. A lot of it was, was just the way he spoke. Uh, but I began to see that the Bible needs to be treated with respect and awe because my teacher treated it with respect and awe because it was and is the living Word of God. Now, we don't want to be legalistic about this, and I, and I don't want to impose a legalistic standard that you, you, know, you can't put your Bible down on the floor or anything like that. I just think we need to ask ourselves, what is my attitude towards the word of God? Do I have this type of reverence? Do I have this type of respect? You know, the Jewish people, at least uh, Orthodox Jewish people, when they enter a home, there's a little thing on the door called a mezuzah. And the mezuzah contains part of the law of God. It's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, part of that. Hear, O Lord, uh, hear that uh, Israel, the Lord thy God, is one Lord. And when they go by, a religious Jew will actually kiss his fingers and touch the mezuzah. We want to be careful. We don't want to be superstitious, and we've spoken about that. But at least we ought to think about, do I have that kind of respect for the Word of God? We who believe the Word of God, we who do not want to be superstitious about the Word of God, what kind of an attitude do I have towards it? That will cause you to listen very closely to a sermon. Because you'll realize it's not my words, it's the Word of God. So I think that's the first reason that they listened, because they understood what it was. There was a reverence for it. Secondly, the people also had prepared hearts to listen to God's word. Notice verse 6. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So before Ezra, we read, before Ezra opened and read from the law, he prayed to God. We're not told what he prayed, said he blessed the Lord, which was probably, probably means he invoked God's blessing upon what they were doing. But what this caused everything to uh, cause the people to do was to focus on, on God, it brought their attention where it should be to God. He prayed to God and it created a consciousness of God and gave the people a sense of what was going on, that God was about to speak to them and they were to listen. Because notice how the people responded to Ezra's prayer. You notice verse six, the end, it says that they said, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands, why they lift up their hands. They also worship the Lord, but why did they worship the Lord with lifting up their hands? This has been the traditional Jewish way of saying, God, I approach you with empty hands. I have nothing. I have nothing. Everything I have comes from you. You know what that's saying? There was an attitude of expectancy. God, I want you to speak to me. I expect you to speak to me. I, I am conscious of my need for you to speak to me and to give me instruction. You see, they were—they had an expectant state of mind. That's, that's what this means. It isn't just a show of uh, what, what you're doing. It's not just an outward thing. It's an outward thing that comes from an inward attitude that says, God, I have nothing. Everything that I have needs to come from you. So they worship God, but also they expected God to give them his words. Now let me ask you a question. Do you come to Lakeside? Do you come to church expecting God to speak to you? Do you come expecting to do anything on your behalf? Do you come expecting uh, God to speak to you in terms of conviction, encouragement, correction, instruction, and in righteousness, in righteousness? Or do you just come to church because you just come? Some people ask, why, why do you come to church? I, well, I just come because I just come. That's how I've been raised. Uh, my parents make me come. I'm coming because what would the children think if we didn't go? It's wrong, I want to be a good example to them. But that's not, those aren't the primary reasons you come. Do you come? You may not hold your hands up like this, but do you come with your hearts held up like that, your mind held up like this? And may I suggest that from now on, when you come to church, you come with an attitude of high expectations. This will radically change your life. In other words, you have this, this prayer to God this morning and this, and this attitude, whether you pray this or not. This morning, God has a message for me. I'm looking forward to coming to church to hear the word being taught because I, I believe God has a message for me and I expect the word to change my life today. Now, you start doing that and you start praying like that, especially as Sunday gets closer, uh, you're going to have a great attitude in listening to the word of God. Uh, You need to pray like this. And, And also, I might add, get a good night's sleep on Saturday so that when God does speak to you through his word, you're alert. You're alert. Too often, we come to church not so much to hear God's word. But we come to church to feel good about ourselves, to be entertained, uh, in the words of Paul, to have someone tickle your ears, things like that. That's why a lot of people go to church. And there is a great verse I discovered this week in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 33, which you uh, might want, well, we he pull this obscure verse out, but it's a great verse. Ezekiel was a prophet uh, during the Babylonian captivity. Uh, to our knowledge, he never got out of Babylon. He, he stayed there. He was a captive. He was a prophet ministering to the Jewish people in Babylon, and they knew he was a prophet, and uh, many people came to him to listen. But, but I want you to hear this. Ezekiel 33, beginning at verse 30. But as for you, son of man, that's another title for Ezekiel, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and in the doorways of the houses, speak to one another, each to his brother, saying, Come now. And hear what the message is, which comes forth from the Lord. So the people in captivity were saying, hey, let's go and hear the message of the Lord. Let's go and hear Ezekiel. And they come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words. So that's wonderful. But they do not do them for they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth and their heart goes after their gain. So they're coming to Ezekiel. They hear the words, but God says they don't do them. Why why would they go and hear him? Why, why would you go and hear the word of the Lord if you don't plan to do anything? Verse 32, and behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument for they hear your words, but they do not practice them. You know what God is saying? They come and listen to you because you entertain them. Ezekiel must have had a real nice voice. Ezekiel must have had a very pleasant delivery. and And God says the people don't come to, uh, to learn and obey, they come because you're entertaining them. Not that that was Ezekiel's motive, but you are entertaining them. And listen, sometimes we're too, we, we do that same thing. We come to be entertained. Sometimes we're a little too enthused about public speakers, about preachers, about uh, teachers. Sometimes uh, we have the attitude of, why, why do you want to come to this church? Well, I like to hear him. It's not the reason. Or someone might say, well, I I go to hear a speaker because he's interesting. He has stories that really are are funny, uh, illustrations. But listening to a sermon is between you and God, between you and God. It doesn't matter who the public speaker is, who the instrument is. What's important is that whoever speaks is faithful to deliver you the word of God. That's the real issue. So we don't want to be like those in Ezekiel's day who just, oh, well, this one is just, have you heard him? He is really good. No, I I like this guy. Now, have you heard him? Uh, He's better. His stories are so good, uh, you'll go away laughing. Listen, that's a danger. Sometimes, also just taking this a little further, sometimes the reason we're not too expectant to hear God speak from his word is because we've lost the sense of the wonder of the word. I'm convinced of that. But if you're a believer for any length of time, sometimes it's, it's uh, because we've lost the sense of the wonder of the word. We're bored in church. We're bored in church because we think that we've heard it all. We think we've heard it all. In fact, I knew of a, uh, of a man who was a Bible teacher who stopped coming to uh, service. I think it was a Wednesday night service. Maybe it was another service. I can't recall now. And uh, when someone confronts him, about it, he said, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. That's a great danger. You know, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus told us to be childlike, to be like a child in conversion, and uh, impl- uh, it, it's implied there that our whole lives are to be like, like children, not in the sense of being childish, but to be childlike. What did he mean by that? Well, there's a lot of things uh, that are so wonderful in, in childlike faith and trust, but one of the great uh, qualities of a child is that a child takes in everything because, you know, he hasn't learned these things, yet he hasn't learned to uh to become acclimated to everything around him. Everything is a wonderful discovery. Everything is new and fresh, and he's captivated by that discovery. He's fascinated with life. We need to be like children like that. We need to wake up and taste the word again. Isn't that what Peter said when he said like newborn babes uh desire the sincere milk of the word? We are to have that hunger and thirst like a like a young infant has for mama's milk. We are to have that desire for the Word of God, so I exhort you on that. I exhort you to be attentive to the Word of God, to to take in the wonder of it, to ask God to, to give you a fresh wonder for the Word.
1: The Apostle Luke wrote a lot about wonder, pondering, and marveling, especially as he wrote about Mary or Joseph thinking about Jesus. After the shepherds came to see the newborn Jesus and told the people who were there about the angelic visit, Luke 2.19 says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. After Simeon's blessing of Jesus in the temple, in Luke 2.33, it says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Then after they had to go back to the temple to find Jesus, it says, And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Peter did something similar when he discovered the empty tomb. So when you read or hear God's letter to you, do you treasure it? Do you ponder it? Marvel at it? It really deserves that attitude, doesn't it? I'm glad you could join us for another Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Find out about Lakeside online at lakesidechapel.com or call 727-441-1714. Let me quickly remind you of our website, versebyverseradio.org where you can stream or download all of our previous programs and you